Hello, everybody. I hope you are well and safe and healthy. This is episode number five of the Authentic Dad podcast, where we inspire fathers to flourish in their life, in their relationships, to be authentic in the world, to have a greater impact with their spouse, partner, kids, anything that's going on in their life. Today, I'm joined by Crystal Cavett. She is a cuddle therapist. Very, very interesting conversation. We talk about touch, the power of touch, touch during the pandemic, and all of the issues surrounding touch, boundaries, consent. I hope you enjoy it. Reach out to me, F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach. I would love to hear from you. I do a free 30-minute discovery call. I coach fathers. Please reach out. You can see me on TikTok, too, at Further Coaching, F-U-R-T-H-U-R. Also on Instagram, Further underscore Coaching. Thank you all so much for your support. And again, we would love your five-star reviews. Hustling for those reviews. Have a great day. Take care. Look forward to seeing you on the other side. Okay, I'm here with Crystal Cavett, like Dick Cavett. And she studies the mind, the psych, the soul. She wants to heal herself and others. She's a vessel of hope and she's optimistic. And on her bio, it says she proclaims obliquity, which is something I had to Google, and forgiveness. And she's uh, grateful to challenge your status quo. She brings balance and light, but not without change. And she is a certified cuddle therapist, among other things. And thank you so much for coming. How are you? Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. How are you today? I'm doing well. As I said, I, I, I guess my vocabulary is limited. What is obliquity? So uh, obliquity can come up a couple ways on Google, but the, the way that I'm uh, utilizing it is a, it's a business term uh, for quality over quantity. Um, so basically, it, it values, and I, and I think of it in terms of mental health, uh, not putting people or any problem in, in kind of a generalized box, but looking at each individual situation um, as an individual and kind of adjusting and adapting accordingly. I think when I Googled it, it said it had something to do with astronomy or astrology. And I said, <laughs> so I'm glad I asked. Um, you're a certified cuddle therapist, right? So you, you actually went through training and, and did that and are pursuing that virtually. We'll talk about that more. But what is a, what is a cuddle therapist? That's a great question. <laughs> so um, a professional cuddler or cuddle therapist uh, is somebody that does offer platonic touch. Um, we also offer consent and boundary coaching. Um, we offer one-on-one -on -one sessions. There are professional cuddlers who offer group sessions and again, teach consent. Um, it's, it's a very interesting emerging entity and I'm very proud to be a part of it. What, what's, what did the training look like? What kind of, obviously you said consent and boundaries and were the specific like modalities of touch and cuddling that they taught you? So I was really lucky to study under Samantha Hess. She's mm. located in Portland, Oregon and has uh, a studio or prior to COVID actually had a, a brick and mortar studio. Um, she had a hands-on week-long training. She offered it in many different forms and she does actually offer an online version now. Uh, but the hands-on is of course, to me, you know, paramount. That was really something I fought for. Um, 
And, and throughout that week, not only did I get practice with real clients, I got actual training on different people, um, but she showed me different poses. She has over 75 poses. Uh, and so those are very similar to what you'd expect. They come in, in a very wide range. Uh, they have some fun names, including Firefighter um, is one of them. And they have like, uh, of course, the spoon. <laughs> some spoon is a classic. I mean, what you mentioned, which I think is very important to highlight, is platonic. And I would imagine that hopefully most people follow those rules, but how do you ensure that when somebody comes to you as a client, that they know that this is a non-sexual service, it's completely platonic, and in other words, how are you setting those boundaries? So it's it, that's a great question. We set those boundaries from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that basically includes vetting. So when I personally vet a client, what that means is, you know, when they reach out to me, I usually have a phone conversation. I think that it's one, it's great that we're in an electronic world where we can text and email, but it's really nice to be able to put a tone of voice to somebody and also ask direct questions. I also enjoy the face-to-face -face vetting, meaning no client has a session without having at least a little bit of a meeting prior, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's right before the session or not. I ask direct questions, you know, what are you looking for? Um, and I read their questions. So it's very obvious to me when someone's not looking for a platonic session, number one, and then number two, if, if not, I direct them to, you know, elsewhere. Yeah. You can kind of feel them out and based on how they react and respond, sort of tell when someone is wanting more or is seeking something more than platonic, which is very important. The vetting process, I vet people, not in that way, but for my law practice, and it's one of the most important things I do because I don't want to work with somebody that's going to be a problem. Definitely. So I'm really glad. And do they, I think, do they sign a contract or something like that? Or like, here are the rules? Or I So I have, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt, I have a waiver, um, and that's very imperative that they look over, uh, and it includes, you know, information, um, and training, especially from um, the, the place that I studied out of. So out of uh, Samantha Hess's Cuddle Up to Me. Um, I did want to mention that we don't shame anybody for, you know, having those interests. Yeah. Uh, we just don't offer those services. And even in session, if somebody has an issue, it's mm -hmm. still not a shaming situation. It's a adjustment, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And is there a not typical, what, what, kinds of people or um, patterns do you see if someone wants to visit a cuddle therapist is it people that are mostly single or not single or what is it kind of what a kind of meadow of humanity comes to a cuddle session so the wonderful part about uh, professional cuddling is that uh, you really do see the gamut if that makes mm -hmm. sense you see uh, you know housewives that maybe you know, don't have a lot of touch. You see single people, you see couples, you see people in relationships, you see people with disabilities uh, or people that just can't reach out for touch. We see a lot of people with high anxiety or people with, you know, struggling with mental mental health issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm really excited to say that, yeah, there's, there's, there's really no one category that you see more than, than another. And why do you think it's so important? You know, I'd say that there's been numerous um, research and I can't cite specifics, but I, I would say that, you know, from birth, our development really is, uh, it's imperative to our development. It's imperative to uh, even from the womb and on. 
you know, I have beautiful children and, and again, I think that there's been a lot of cases on, on orphan, a lot of studies on orphans and, and without touch development can be affected. I do think that we live in a very isolated society. Um, and I think that people don't realize the healing power of touch. So, you know, it, it can actually, you know, lower your stress levels, lower cortisol, um, lower blood pressure. There can be positives in, in your just mental well-being as well as, you know, even I think immunity can be, be slightly built by having positive touch on a regular basis. And this is, this goes kind of back to um, oxytocin and, and different neurotransmitters that are released whenever touch is, is available to you. For you, is this something that came natural to you that you celebrate touch and love touch or, because I imagine some people just aren't comfortable with it and they have a lot of boundaries and where do you fall on that spectrum? Is that something you had to learn or were you just a naturally touch happy person? Well, I'd say I'm a relatively huggy and uh, friendly person, uh, affectionate person with friends and family. And so I think that touch really does come naturally to me. And one thing I've learned through cuddling that's really important is that it almost doesn't matter what spectrum you're on, on how much you like touch or how much you offer touch, because someone like me who offers it so readily doesn't always read the signs of someone else. So what that means is that at this point in the game, after you know my training and being a professional cuddler for this amount of time, what I've learned the most is how to not offer touch, how to not force touch on someone, how to not give them mm. that super exuberant affection because not everybody wants that. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing ways to offer touch and, and be more um, you know, consent oriented about it. So it's a lot of meeting the person where they are. Yeah. And, and what, what they want and sort of feeling into their boundaries. Definitely. <laughs> so the elephant in the room, Crystal, we're in a global pandemic and Lots of people are, some of them, friends of mine, sitting in an apartment by themselves, not married, don't have a partner, and are really touch-deprived. I've even heard people say, man, I would pay like 900 bucks just for a hug. <laughs> Any insight into that situation? If, you, if you're sitting there touch-deprived, what can you tell people? Well, I think I've, I've done a lot of research on this, and I'm really grateful to have such a good cuddle community. So there are people all across the country right now that are working, you know, together uh, with me included, to to find ways to, um, you know, legitimize and work towards um, properly promoting the platonic touch industry. Not only are we offering virtual sessions now, um, but we do talk about ways to connect with your actual house, you know, your household. So I have, again, two beautiful children. Consent is important, but being able to get whatever touch you need in any way, um, being able to do self-care. So being able to find ways to relax, find ways to connect to nature, you know, get outside. We do talk about, again, the gamut, and we are uh, all working together. And like I said, we offer virtual sessions. We offer group virtual sessions. Um, and I think that even in this day and age, there are ways that we are learning through COVID to be safe and healthy in our touch. So an example of that is if I have sessions, if I'm seeing clients, I want to make sure that I'm very transparent about where I've been, you know, who I've been with, who I've been in contact with, because if I've been quarantined for 14 days, I'm maybe less of a risk for a session or for a group event than if I've had clients, if that makes sense. You know, your hygiene, your social makes a lot of sense. And I'm really curious about the virtual session. How does that work? How so, do you have a cuddle session through a screen? 
And that's a really great question. And that's something, um, you know, that even from the, the get-go, we had people jumping off um, and immediately offering virtual sessions. I've been really grateful, again, to have such a good cuddle community. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting techniques you can use, including self-massage, including connection authentically. So, you know, using authentic relating games yep. um, that can really, really build up a positive emotional connection, even through a screen. Yeah. So in addition to touch, I think what you're saying, and for those who aren't familiar with authentic relating, could you give an example of an authentic relating game or activity where you connect with somebody over Zoom and that actually have an impact connection-wise? If, if anything comes to mind, I don't know. I was lucky enough to work with uh, several really wonderful individuals uh, and I, I miss them immensely. And I so it was my triad when I was training for authentic relating. Mm -hmm. And one of, uh, one of the games that really stuck out in my mind is, is that we, we kind of, we would play like a circle. Uh, and again, there were three of us. So we would listen to one another, hear what they were saying, repeat back, um, and, and kind of offer acceptance and offer um, kind of what that, how that made us feel and how we, we kind of could respond to that. So it was, it was really a learning experience. I think one of, one of the games we played just to get a little more specific was um, we talked about our gremlins. We talked about, you know, how yeah. our gremlins, keep us safe and how um you know we can we can kind of we talked in the form of our gremlin and we had our triad talk back with us back to our gremlin and so there are ways to to oh, connect so that are yeah a lot of a lot of the idea is that even though it's a screen really being seen by somebody not in the literal sense yeah connecting like eye gazing i would think would be a thing that could have some impact on connection, being vulnerable, being open, which again, they're not physical touch, but what we're talking about, I guess, is is touch, but also connection. Eye gazing um, is one of my favorite games. <laughs> which one? Eye gazing is one of yeah. my favorite. I gotta work on that one because I'm always wanna 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 turn away and I think that's that's the point, right? You wanna stay with it. Mm -hmm. So the other person sees you what actually i saw i think online or on youtube where it might have been the program that you did where they actually did a virtual touch session it was really really interesting um you, you know, look you can't put your hand through the screen but i guess there was a lot of imagination and a lot of focusing on each other and i thought it was really fascinating are you finding that cuddle therapists are doing this regularly or or people yeah. not wanting that. Yeah, so there's a lot of people wanting it. And what's nice is that I have clients even across the country that are able to to reach out and connect with me on, on that level at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yes, I was going to just reflect back. I do think the mirroring game is one that can be very good for a virtual session. We use that in, in person as well. Yeah. So as it's not just like when you're doing a session, not just cuddling or spooning. It's these connection games and 100%. you're teaching somebody about consent and boundaries and connection so it's really kind of this whole experience and touch is a important component but not everything right correct 
that you don't touch someone in a vacuum. You're asking, you know, for feedback and how about this and how about that and meeting them where they are, kind of feeling into them. So it's a lot more complicated than I keep using spooning, but I don't I don't know the other ones. I'm sure there's a lot of different different ways you could do it. So so we talked about the person who doesn't have someone living with them. What about a couple who is um, married or in partnership or living together? So having that person there isn't a problem. But how would you say, what if the couple is not regularly engaging in touch? Like how, how would you cultivate that? Is there, what would you say to someone who's like, gosh, I wish we, wish we cuddled more. I wish we held hands. Is there, is there a way to bring more of that into the... Well, I think, um, you know, my advice in that scenario would be to be able to do, directly ask your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that another important factor is the respecting the no. Learning right. how to accept no without feeling hurt by it. You know, there may be reasons why there is a no. Um, and, and I think that's the hardest part is within your social bubble, the people that you should feel able to touch and you want to touch, you know, you still have to respect that if they don't want touch at that point, that's okay. Um, I would also suggest things like the eye bathing uh, to build connection even without touch to kind of preemptively um, work towards something. I am so glad that you brought up the no, because I think for a lot of people when the, and again, I'm talking about platonic touch, when there's a nod or Mm -hmm. touch or connection and the person's like, yeah, I'm busy right now, that can be really deflating. And to respect that no and that boundary is really important. And maybe follow up and say, yeah, I understand. When will be a good time for us to to hang Mm -hmm. out? or something like that, rather than kind of go into that space when they're not into it. I agree completely. (laughs) Yeah, and what about, I feel like touch is a general term, but I'm imagining, we talked about platonic touch, obviously there's um, non-platonic touch, are there stuff in between platonic touch and non-platonic sexual type of touch? Is there, are there different kinds or forms of touch that, or is there just one or the other? I mean, I would state that it's intention-based. So, um, you know, I feel that it's 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 probably a certain, a very large gamut. So when you look at loving touch versus platonic touch, you know, you can cuddle your friends, you can cuddle your family, you can have nurturing touch, you can cuddle your children. Um, and again, even a handshake or a hug or a pat on the back, that is a form of touch that can be a form of encouragement. So, so I, I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of different types, but for me, it's always based on that intention, that background. Right. And of course, there can be intimate touch and sensual touch, and then of course, sexual touch. And I still see those as kind of varying um, displays of affection or displays of interest. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So it's like, where is it coming from intentionally? Yeah, definitely. You, you know, is it romantic? Is it platonic? I don't foresee a lot of handshakes in the future. The, the handshake may be over, right? Or, or the, you know, I guess Europeans more than Americans and a kiss on the cheek, both cheeks. I have a feeling that may be over for a while. Um, and that's interesting that you bring yeah. it up. In mm. Europe, they do tend to have more, more of that touch uh, than in America anyway. <laughs> but I think now it's going to be different. <laughs> and it's going to be hard because it's part of their culture. Yep. Right? I mean, I guess it's part of our culture to shake a hand or how you doing or even a fist pump. Maybe we'll have, I don't know, and people are coming up with all different things, but that may have to be put on the shelf 
Maybe with gloves. <laughs> Maybe with gloves. So you have children? I do. You have, you have two, and they're both 9 and 11? They're amazing. They're my everything. We're all ninjas. <laughs> they're little black belts. <laughs> awesome. And do you have you seen an impact? Like since you've become a cuddle therapist, do you think they've become more open or cuddly with you? Like what you have know, they learned? It's interesting because the biggest thing we've all learned is, again, consent. Mm -hmm. So they have learned to say no to me very willingly. And, and mm -hmm. as they've aged, they've actually become less cuddly. Um, but they accept and love the business and they are very open to understanding how important spreading platonic touches to me and, and accepting a no and giving a no when they want to. So we're all, I think, learning together, to be honest. I think it's been a, yeah. a really good. I think that's so important because there's with kids, there's a lot of this, give your grandfather or grandmother mm -hmm. a hug. And when they don't want to, like, come on, do it. And that's not cool. No, that's not okay. <laughs> and, and I'm even, you know, I've, I've been guilty of that before mm -hmm. I started professional cuddling. I don't think I understood that idea that no, nobody has to hug anybody. <laughs> like, nobody has to hug anybody. There's boundaries, there are consents. And oh, another thing I'm curious about, like when you're doing a cuddling session, by the way, how much, how long do they last? It's a great question. They can last uh, anywhere that I decide or that the mm -hmm. client decides between 30 minutes all the way up to literally people do overnight sessions. Now I, I oh. offer up to five hours. Oh, nice. um, have, have you done a five hour one before? I've done a three hour one. And is, I guess it depends on the person. Is, is there talking or is it mostly silent or both? How does that work? 100% depends on the person and I've had the gamut. I've had people who love to listen. They want to talk or they want to have a conversation. I've had people that want to vent or keep going with conversation the whole time. And then I've had people that are relatively quiet. What does it cost around? So it's roughly, I'd say a dollar 40 a minute at this mm -hmm. point, I want to say. Um, but by the way, that can also be very varying. So, you know, we, we work with the client. Um, I personally work with clients on, on different income levels and um, time levels. So we can kind of tailor it to what your needs are as well as tailor it to what you can handle um, when it comes to, to payment as well as when it comes to time. And do you love it? Like, are, are you glad you did it or, or were you like, eh? I think just like having two beautiful children and getting a black belt, I think it's one of the things that's changed me most in my entire life. Oh, in a good, what was that? I want to, wait, first of all, you're a black belt cuddler. Is that what you said? Yes. Wow. So if somebody uh, doesn't follow the rules, wrong person. Wrong. Well, again, I'd say that those things have taught me more about myself than anything else. It's more about how to... Have you had to kick life. anyone's ass? Or, or it's been... Oh, goodness. No, thankfully, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, what? tell me what you learned about yourself. You said that you learned a lot about you. Um. Again, I would say that the biggest thing that I learned about myself is self-love, self-respect, how to do mm -hmm. self-care. I've, I've learned consent in my own world, in my own heart. I've learned what, what, what my value is um, as a person. And I think that everyone can benefit from that. And I love sharing that. What I love about it, because it's, it's called Cuddle Therapist, right? And when you think of therapy, therapy is great. I'm a therapy evangelist, but it's so much in the head. Mm -hmm. So it's cerebral, it's talking, it's thinking. And there are somatic therapists, but this is so unique. And I think if done right, there are some pitfalls that the world really needs it. So being in those intimate poses can, can definitely be a hurdle for some. Um, and I'm lucky enough to, again, 
had really great clients, but anytime that there was a, maybe a, a situation, we literally just move into another pose or kind of take a break from the, the, the space. Sure, it happens all the time when someone's getting a massage or something, right? Of course. It's gotta be yeah. pretty common. What, um, are you seeing mostly men, women, or both? Again, we do, we, I am lucky enough that I get to see the gamut. Things mm. have been a little slow, obviously, since uh, COVID, but okay. overall, yeah. yeah. But overall, again, even with virtual sessions and whatnot, yeah. I do see uh, a really good mix, a really good mix for both my group and my individual events. And are you finding that there are more female cuddle therapists than male cuddle therapists, or, or are there quite a few men who do, who do this for a living? I see a lot of females that are called to it. I do say that, mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of female cuddle uh, associates. However, there is a decent amount of men. Maybe it's not a full half. 50 50 yeah i was just curious about that because there's that stereotype of course that men aren't as affectionate and there might be this other thing where maybe people aren't as safe or as comfortable with with a man with a man cuddler i don't know i'm just curious about that yeah i can see where you're coming from with that i i think we need more professional cuddlers i want to promote that as well so anybody who's interested jump on it <laughs> I mean, there's so, like, I think the vast majority, I mean, obviously there are male psychotherapists, there are male massage therapists, there are male coaches, there are male teachers, but it does seem in these types of helping professions, they're quite a bit more females, right? We're trying to actually come up with a resource page for people who are interested in professional cuddling as a, you know, becoming one, or also mm -hmm. if they're interested in being a client. So. And when I say we, I just mean the, the group of uh, professional cuddlers that are trying to promote and, and work to, you know, legitimize the, the industry. Well, I think when this thing is all over or normalizes a bit, you're going to be flooded. I agree. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> and I hope you are. I really, I really, really do. I really support what you're doing. I think it's really cool. Um, have you gotten any pushback from friends or family saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this or, or not? Or just people didn't support? I'm really lucky to have mostly supportive family and friends. Of course, there are people that, you know, worry about my safety and I try to make sure that I let them know what I'm doing to stay safe. Um, you know, I've had pushback from the group events, you know, people who don't understand what it's about or maybe are a little fearful of it. Um, but that's not very common. That's That's very few and far between. I can tell you really believe in this and it's really important to you and it's kind of been transformative to you. Yes, and definitely. That's, that makes all the difference. I mean, you're a product of the importance of, again, it's so much more than cuddling. You're talking about connection and boundaries and consent and really just human connection, which we, before a pandemic, I don't think have enough of. And now so much loneliness and starving for that. I mean, I'm married. I'm grateful that I have that at home, but I've also heard from so many friends, like that's the hardest part. It is and that what they're talking about is platonic touch. They're saying, I don't, I'm not talking about sex. I want a hug. And that was episode hug. five with Crystal Cabot. So she can be reached at crystal what you're doing. therapy. CC. Where can people find you? staltherapy.cc thank you so much crystal for joining or, or whatever. us whatever that was awesome the people are always welcome thanks for listening again please give uh, us a five star review a rating a download a subscribe have a great day um, and we will see you next week take care a website it is literally crystaltherapy.cc no spaces 
Um, and then I also am located on Facebook at Crystal's Cuddle Therapy. Perfecto. And I will put that in the show notes. And you, you again, you said the website is crystaltherapy.cc. Correct. Beautiful. And again, this is a dad podcast. What uh, do you have any dad jokes? Dad jokes. Uh, you know, what's funny is I, I bet you my son could come up with one if I asked mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. What would you, um, what would you say to fathers who are, let's say not as skillful in um, cuddling and touching? How would, where would you say, how do we cultivate this with our children? Like this, if, if let's say someone out there is like, I don't, I'm not good at it. That's actually a great question. I do think that everyone, everyone, you know, deserves touch in some way, shape, or form. And I think that, you know, dads do get that bad rap. But I think mm-hmm. that uh, just, you know, being direct and asking for it, um, being sensitive and listening to your kids, you know, and, and giving time and space for connection. So it always starts with connection, reading a story, right. eye gazing. You know, what? one way that I trick my kids into eye gazing all the time is the, the easy one. Let's Let's have a staring contest. I win every time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'll try some eye gazing later. I'll try it, but I'm pretty sure they're going to think I'm creepy. So I'm going to try it. <laughs> I'll just do, I'll, I'll, I'll do the staring contest. I love it. I think that works. <laughs> well, Crystal, Crystal Cavett, like Dick Cavett, thank you very much. And you are out of Pittsburgh, huh? Yep. How's it going in Pittsburgh? Everything cool? Oh, yeah, it's hot. Oof. It's, oh, been, yeah. it's been a warm summer. <laughs> We were there in October. That's a great city. I, I love it. I, I'm really grateful to be so here again. Ridges. We went to the Warhol Museum. I loved it so much. I want to go back. And it was, a, I think, it was the first time. You know, I've been there once before, but it was like 20 years ago. And the whole family was like, this is a great place. Why don't we come more? It's only three and a half hours from where we are. We'll visit you in Pittsburgh. Sometime. I love it. Thank you very much. And have a wonderful day. Mm. All right. See you. Okay. And that was episode five. Thanks again to Crystal Cavett. She can be reached at crystaltherapy.cc, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, therapy.cc. Crystal, thank you very, very much. That was awesome. Please subscribe, download, like, give us a five-star review. Appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. Have a great day. Stay well.